Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Dodder. To learn more about today's reading or to read along with us, check out jointhejourney.com. Thanks for joining. It is July 4th, and I am in the podcast studio with one of our members, Nathan Wagnon. Yeah, that's right. I am a member. And uh, <laughs> yeah, last time you were here, you were on staff. <laughs> I was on staff, and now I'm just a member. Now you're a member running a nonprofit, the Eden Something Project? Something like that. Yeah, Eden Project. Yeah, yeah, super cool. Yeah. But we invited you on today because you served our country in Afghanistan, right? I did. And yeah. you love God, but... That is also true. Thank you. I would reverse those. That's number one. You love God first. Yeah, that's right. And then out of love, I think, you know, naturally flows service. Absolutely. And one of the unique ways that I've served is, yeah, in a combat zone for our country. Two tours? Two in Afghanistan, yeah. Okay. Thank you for serving. Yeah. And you are a wealth of knowledge. Uh compared to me. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I don't know, Emma. You're pretty smart. Hey, be honest. You, you taught me a lot. Hey, guys, I know. she's selling herself short. All right. Like, <laughs> Emma's, Emma's, Emma's legit sharp. Let's be honest. Thank you, Nathan. All right. But Mark 16, yeah. I'm just going to let you take the mic. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Mark 16 is really interesting because uh, it is of the four Greco-Roman biographies that are the Gospels. They're the biographies of Jesus's life. They fit a very unique a a literary genre, which is, like I said, Greco-Roman biography, which is not going to be like, like if you pick up a biography of somebody's life now, Mm -hmm. you're going to like, you're probably not even going to get to the person's life until like chapter three, right? There's a lot of background information, like family, stuff like that. That is not the way that they wrote. So like what they cared about in the ancient world is who was this person? What did this person teach? And what did this person do? Like that's what they cared about, which is why you don't have a lot of background information on Jesus. I have a little bit in Luke, and he's an outlier, right? But then also, you're you're not going to get much of a resolution in Greco-Roman biography either, um, except for Luke. Luke. Luke's our boy. He's a little, yeah. he's a little he's more detailed. Western. He's yeah, he he's Greek, right? So with Luke, you're going to get Luke and then Acts. So he's going to give you kind of a part two. But with Matthew, uh, Mark, and John, um, things f- end fairly abruptly. I mean, you're kind of like, okay, it's an empty tomb, and then it's just mm-hmm. over, like. What? Quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's fast. And then out of the three uh, that I mentioned, Matthew, Mark, and John, um, Mark by far ends the most abruptly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You get to chapter 16, you know, the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James and and Salome brought spices so that they could anoint Jesus' body, right? Very early, first day of the week. They show up, and the tomb is is uh, this very large stone had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb, and they you know they they see these they saw a young young man dressed in white, and they what happened to Jesus? And he's like you know he's risen, he's not here. Go tell the disciples. They're afraid. They run away, and it's over. And you're like, what the heck? Like, can we please, like, it feels like that's a really significant event. Can we please get a little more information about it? So I want to talk about two things. One is, uh, historically speaking, just from the uh, manuscript evidence of the text of the New Testament, um, Mark, Mark's gospel ends at verse 8, right? So if you're reading your study Bible, you probably have this notice. This. You probably have this line, and then maybe as some some commentary called an exorcist that's like, "Hey, um, 
earlier most, manuscripts. Most earliest manuscripts don't include verses 9 through the rest of the chapter. And you're kind of like, well, what the heck? Why is it here? Right? So there is in some of the manuscript traditions of the New Testament, the what they call the longer ending of Mark, which includes some strange material. Let's, let's just be honest, right? I mean, there um there are people are, you know, be handling snakes and being bit and not dying. And, you know, there's just some strange kind of backwoods Kentucky kind of snake handling <laughs> stuff going yeah. on. And you're like, what in the world? What is this? There's also some, there's also another great commission type repetition in verse 15, or uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 15. Yeah, 15. Go to the world, pre- preach the gospel. You have that in Luke. You also have uh, obviously a, a longer version of Matthew. Matthew's gospel. And this, you know, people are driving out demons, speaking in tongues, picking up snakes, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, it's all these awesome signs accompanied the fact that these people had been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then that's how the longer ending ends. So probably what happened is as the, um, you see this stuff happen in the book of Acts, right? I mean, people are literally driving out demons and people are being healed and, you know, uh, uh, Paul is getting bit by a snake and he doesn't die. And people mm-hmm. are, do, do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And so, like, there's these legendary type stories that that grow up around the source material. And then over time, this stuff gets added into the manuscript tradition of the New Testament. Now, the, which is why it says the earliest and most reliable manuscripts don't have, mm-hmm. don't contain verses 9 um, through the rest of the chapter. And so um, there are two major sections of the New Testament where we just know, I mean, that this is just not original to the New Testament. It's in the Bible, but it's not the Bible. Hmm. That makes sense. This is one of them, uh, the longer ending of Mark. The other one is in John chapter 7, verse 53 through 8, 11. Um, called the uh, the pericope adulteri, or the or the section on the adulterous woman. Mm-hmm. So if you're reading, then you're and you're like, man, what do I do with the longer ending of Mark? Then I think you just chalk it up as interesting literature that has been added to the Bible, hmm. but is not actually the Bible. So we don't build doctrine on Mark Those on the longer sections. ending of Mark. We don't. Yeah, we're we're not we're not looking at that as authoritative on the same level as we would Mark 16, 1 through 8. So, right? yeah, what if I, I hear that and I'm like, oh, no, if that what do, what do I do if I hear you say that? And that stirs up some sort of doubt in me. Like, can I trust the Bible? Yeah. How would you respond to that? Well, you should go reaction? listen to the equipping podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where we talk about this a lot. <laughs> that was back when I was on staff, you know, but oh, but yeah. they're still out there. I mean, you oh, can go yeah. listen to them. You find them. Um, yeah, so there's there's a handful of episodes we did on the reliability of the New Testament. We talk about these. Actually, we talk about those two passages a lot. And then I would just say, like, look, it, uh, you can also do the one on the um, textual transmission of the Old Testament, mm. which have actually been really popular with people. But I would just say, like, um, in general, like, the Bible is a messy book. Okay, we're not Mormons. We don't believe that the tablets just, like, fell out of the sky. Right. And— and we're not Muslim. We don't believe that this was like verbally dictated to somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a messy book. It has human hands on it. And so, um, and then also, I think uh, to give a shout out to the equipping team, what up? <laughs> um, there's also an equipping course that you can take called Discovering Scripture. And again, we talk extensively about these things there. So if somebody's like, oh my gosh, the Bible's not reliable, blah, then I would just be like, hey, number one, rule number one in the Wagnon house. Don't freak out. Don't freak out, 
right? Yep. So it's like, don't freak out. Like, it's a, the Bible's been like this for a long time. It's going to continue to obviously be like this. So I would say if it causes angst in you, then that's a, you can use that as a motivator to seek to understand. Mm. And in seeking to understand, I think you're going to find that the angst that you may have about this is just not warranted. It's awesome. All right. What's your your second second thing? thing. The second thing is really cool, right? Second thing in two minutes. Oh, yeah. So the second thing is, um, I think Mark is very intentionally, I got this from my friend Dan Wallace. Um, I think Mark is very intentionally abruptly ending his gospel with somebody having encountered the reality of the resurrection. They don't actually encounter Jesus. They just encounter an empty tomb, Mm, right? mm -hmm. And it's a woman. Mm-hmm. He's very particular about that, which draws in all kinds of apologetic issues around like, why Why in the woman, why are you reporting that a woman saw the empty tomb? Because that wouldn't have been it would reliable. It would not have been valid, mm-hmm. right, in, in any kind of uh, reliable witness. So the fact that they, that Mark does that, and then, and then he just abruptly ends it. Like she's trembling, she's afraid, and goes and tells the disciples. Now, it... When you read it and you stop there, what like, well, I'll just ask you, like, wh- how does that, how does that make you feel when you like read the end of eight and it just stops? It's like, wait, that's the end? I thought, <laughs> I thought this was a good ending. Right? So you're, what happens li- from a literary standpoint is you're left hanging. Mm-hmm. A and, cliffhanger. And it's a cliffhanger. And what it does is it makes you naturally ask the question, well, what's next? Right? And the what's next of the resurrection is what we're living in, right? It is a post-resurrection world. Now now that I'm not on staff anymore, I can just totally shamelessly plug Eden Project, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's Eden in Genesis, uninhibited presence of God, unbroken with images in the garden, right? And then Revelation 21 and 22, Eden restored. Mm. And everything in the middle of God resurrecting what's broken, right? Bringing things back to put them back where they're intended to be. This resurrection that's already a reality, but not yet fully completed, that is the Eden project, Hmm. right? And we're living in it. Mm -hmm. And so I think Mark, in in a lot of ways, like, well, one, he does things abruptly, just generally, all throughout the gospel. But then two, I think he, I think there's an intentionality here to go, hey, you as a student of Jesus, what this means for you is the resurrection power, like, like that shock value that Mary is ex- is um, experiencing in that moment, right? It should also be the same kind of response that you have to the reality of the resurrected Jesus indwelling in you by the power of His Spirit to allow you to become the type of person who can do things. Um, in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would not be able to do on your own. And, and that means that the opportunities for you in the, the co-creative activity with Yahweh in his world to make this world his place, the opportunities for you are limitless. As his ambassadors? As his ambassadors. It's awesome. Nathan, I wish we had more time. That's to Mark 16. It. We're going to have to have you back on at some point. All right, let's but do it. Thank you for sharing. Happy 4th. Thanks. And too. I am so glad we're on this journey reading the Bible together. Peace. Thanks for listening. Did you know you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? Leaving a review helps others more easily find the podcast and read along with us. So we'd love your help.